Hey everyone, welcome to Susquehanna Valley Church. My name is Matt and I'm the pastor here. We are so thankful that you're checking us out. I want to really start out by saying happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there or all the women who have had this motherly influence on others. I just want to say thank you for what you've done. Uh, The reality is during quarantine especially, we really hope you have a happy Mother's Day because kids, if your mom's not happy, if mom's, mom's not sane during the quarantine, nobody's going to make it through this. So you need to make sure mom has a great Mother's Day. Give her extra hugs, extra kisses, wash the dishes, whatever you got to do. Um, we want to say that you should really, really for self-interest go about having her have an awesome Mother's Day. I was thinking about Mother's Day. I was thinking about my mom um, and uh, a lot of the things that moms do that go unnoticed. And I got some pictures here of me and my mom. Um, We got this one right here, which is me as a little kid. And this one is just, this is priceless. Um, I think my mom's trying to feed me something and I'm trying to eat the plate which really hasn't changed. I mean, I'm pretty much the same person. I ate three plates this past week. Um, This photo is my mom and I dancing at my wedding. Um, And just uh, what I was thinking about is the reality is that between these two photos, um, there, there was 27 years of just um, lots of mom things that were done that I didn't notice and I didn't appreciate. You know, there were diapers changed, there were meals uh, served, there were sports games attended, there were encouraging life lessons that were, that were taught, there were sacrifices made um, where she's working to be able to bring in more money. And so um, this is not just to my mom, but to all the moms out there. Thank you for all the unnoticed things that you do. Um, you are awesome. And uh, between, between the gaffes, there are so many things that, that you do that aren't appreciated. I want to let you know that God knows and he sees it and he honors you for it. Uh, and today, uh, like all days, we, we want to make sure that we honor you for it as well. So if you're a mom out there and you've got a little one who can't necessarily say thank you, it all adds up and it's going to add up and it's going to be a blessing to that child. So hang in there um, and it's going to be worth it. Also want to give a little shout out to uh, a woman that we kind of call our office mom. And so we, we've got a picture of her um, here to show you. And, and her name is Deb and she's awesome. She's honestly the most genuine individual that I've ever met in my entire life. And we're blessed to have her on staff here at Susquehanna Valley Church. So happy Mother's Day to her as well. Um, with all that said, uh, I, ju- I just want to stop and pray and, and thank God for what he does through, through mothers. Um, Lord, we thank you for the fact that you you created man, you said it wasn't good for him to be alone, and so you created this just wonderful, wonderful um, compliment to to all of your creation in woman. And God, thank thank you so much for the heart of a mother, for the heart to raise, to protect, um, to care, and to nurture above and beyond her own safety and well being. We thank you and we praise you for that. Um, the other day, Lord, I saw this this photo of uh, of a mother bird protecting its young, and it was just amazing to see the care um, w- within that image. And God, I pray that that you would honor these women who do such an incredible thing. We thank you for that. In your Son's name, we pray. Amen. So we've been in this wildly safe series, and the reality is, uh, we're going to talk about a wildly safe woman today named Mary. And uh, it, it's pretty awesome to see how she has wildly safe generosity. So wildly safe is this idea that because of what God has promised us in the in His scriptures, uh, how He's promised us life after death, and how He's promised us like this validation and this love that we can live boldly and live wildly in life in such a way where we're not so worried and consumed by what might happen. 
Fear is, is in the background. We called it background noise the other week. We're not going to be motivated by what might go wrong, what people might think about us. We're going to be motivated by what God wants us to do, and we're going to do it with a wildly safe idea. John chapter 12, we're going to read about wildly safe generosity from a woman that should absolutely change the way you think about generosity, and it should change the way that you live. So let's read it. John chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took out a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was, in it was intended that she should save this perfume for my day of bur burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. I know we just prayed. I'd like us to pray again. Um, God, I thank you and I praise you for, for how you continue to speak to us, how you continue to walk with us through this season that we're in. God, I pray that you would speak to us and teach us this morning in a way that's powerful, that challenges us in our generosity. We love you in your son's name. Amen. I want to talk about Mary's generosity and how I think it, it's just wildly safe um, based and motivated on, on a love for God that's quite incredible. But before we do that, I, ju I just want to like move something off the table. There is no part of me that is trying to preach this to make you give more. I don't want you to feel guilty. Um, I just want you to enjoy the idea of what God Christ-centered generosity looks like. The reality is we have been extremely blessed as a church. Um, you've been giving so faithfully that we've been uh, meeting or exceeding budget the last couple of weeks, which just blows my, my mind. Um, it's inspiring all of us as staff to continue to press forward with what God has called us to in the gospel. So this is not at all about like trying to, trying to twist your arm. God is awesome and he's been providing and your faithfulness and loyalty is incredible. This is really to just say, let's keep being generous wherever, whenever God calls us to be generous because it's incredible to live that way, to see the fruits of it go forward. It's just awesome. Um, so, so let's talk about Mary and let's talk about this woman who Jesus, uh, as Mark records, it says that, that she will be known for generations because of this. And we're talking about her today because her generosity is just awesome. So, so what is it? All right, well, let's talk about it this way. First of all, let's understand what is, what is nard? You know, so it's called expensive perfume. Um, and uh, it's, it's this fragrant oil from an herb in India that they would just kind of get the oils from and they would seal it up. And it was, um, it was from a long way away and, and she had about 11 ounces of it. So it was a lot of it. And it, it would have been in this, this jar with a long neck that in order to use it, you would break it. Uh, it was uh, it was incredible stuff. This was stuff to use to cover bodies um, that that would be deceased or and decomposing to mask the smell. Um, they obviously didn't have the medical advances that we did now, and so that was that was part of it. Um, it was so it was so uh, expensive and desired that there was knockoff versions of it, like there was imitation nard. That's why Jesus 
um, talks about this being pure nard. And it, like, so there was apparently like this like off-brand imitation, like Coach Purse with a K nard. That was not this. This was the real deal, and it was extremely valuable. The cost, the cost of it would have been appalling um, to to think about. This was a year's wages worth uh, of perfume, and and to think about that in their culture is huge because. Um, they would have had to save up for decades. The average person would have had to save up for decades to have a year's worth of money to purchase perfume. So it, it meant uh, either one or two things. Either Mary was pretty wealthy um, or what is far more likely, this was a family heirloom that was passed down to be given as a gift at Mary's own wedding, which speaks to the fact that, that if that's the case, which I personally believe it was, her devotion, her commitment to saying, Jesus, you're the Messiah, is incredible. For her to say that, I'm so impressed with you, Jesus, that I'm going to break out this and, and use it, use it generously for you, is just awesome. There's two things I want us to really just just take home from this text, and, and we'll, we'll talk about each one for a little bit here, but two things that I think will ultimately produce wildly safe generosity in you, and I hope you want that. I hope you want, don't want wildly safe stinginess or wildly safe poor money management. I want to land in the middle where we're wise with our money, but we're also generous with it. I hope you really, really want to be a person who's wildly safe with your finances and get to see God do some absolutely incredible things. So, so Mary, um, she does this. It's incredible. It's beautiful. It's an unreal gift. Why does she do it? Why is she motivated it, uh, by it? Because she knew what Jesus was capable of doing. She knew what Jesus was capable of doing. This was not the first time that Mary met Jesus. Uh, scripture portrays her a number of different times. Interesting, all times she's, she's pictured at the feet of Jesus to show her humility and her worship and her love for Christ. Um, and then here you've got her pouring out the perfume because she knew she knew what Jesus was capable of. And the text alludes to this, by the way, when it says Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So it's referring to the story in John chapter, we're, we're in John chapter 12. It's referring to a story in John chapter 11 where Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead. This, this is just an incredible story of, of Lazarus who was dead and, and Mary and Martha are mourning and he's been dead for four days. So if you think about that, they're mourning. Other people have had time to show up and mourn with them. There's, a, there's, been, a, there's been a ceremony. There's been a time of grief. Um, there's been a bur burial. There's, there's started to be decomposition of the body. And yet here we are, John chapter 12, and Lazarus is at dinner. Lazarus is there. Because in verse 43 of John chapter 11, Jesus showed up to the tomb and he called out in a loud voice four days after Lazarus is dead. And Jesus calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet and wrapped with, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take the clothes, take off the grave clothes and let him go. That this is amazing. Like so she's eating dinner with a guy who was dead in the chapter before. I have a deep theological insight for you. If you're a person that wants to take notes, you're gonna want to write this down. All right. This is profound stuff I studied for a while to get to this point. Lazarus could pass the bread because Lazarus wasn't dead. 
Lazarus could pass the bread because he wasn't dead. This is, you got to think about this. Mary had just seen a dead man. She had just been part of the, the funeral services commemorizing him. And, and then she's eating dinner with him. She can be like, Lazarus, are you going to eat and then wash the dishes or am I going to wash the dishes? She could have that conversation because Jesus brought him back to life. She knew what he was capable of. And so by all means, why not have a dinner to honor Jesus? Why not pour out a year's worth of salary at his feet because she knew what he's capable of? Mark tells us they're at a man named Simon's house who used to be a leper who Jesus healed. You, can you imagine sitting at that dinner party? You're walking, you, you, like you've got a guy who used to be a leper and you've got a guy who was dead and in the tomb for four days on either side of you and on the other side of the table is Jesus. Man, that's, that's incredible. That's wildly safe. That's a, that safe idea of like, I, I wonder if like, if they would like start to pretend like they were going to choke on supper and die. Like, oh, 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 sorry. I, it's a good thing I didn't choke because it's not like anybody here could have raised me from the dead. I, I just, I wonder what that would have been like. And they're sitting there and Mary breaks open this perfume and pours it out because she knew that Jesus was worth it. She knew what he was capable of. She knew he was good. She saw him do the absolutely impossible. And I love it. A couple years ago, um, I was on a missions trip leading a group of young adults on, on a, uh, it was a, an English speaking camp in Old City, Montreal, uh, where they spoke predominantly French. And so we were gonna go there. We we're gonna teach them English so that we could share the gospel with them through that whole interaction. And at one point we had this sort of just fun time to go walk around Old City, Montreal, which if you've ever been to is awesome. It's just one of the coolest cities I've ever been to. It's, it's, it's old school, it's historical. Uh, and, and we're there and we're walking around. It's myself, I'm leading a team of about 20 other people and we're walking through the city and this man comes up to us and uh, he, he kind of begins a conversation with us. And looking back, he was trying to discern who the leader in the group was. And he figured out that it was me. And he started to ask me questions. And I wanted to kind of move on from it. But he was really skilled with his questions. He wouldn't let me move on. Um, and then out of nowhere, he's like, oh, I, I need you to do me a favor. Um, can you just hold this just for like a second? Just hold this rope. And he gives me a, a section of rope. And I'm like, this, I don't know what's happening right now but I feel like I can't leave. I can't go anywhere. Um, and then he sees another guy with another group and he calls him over and he says, hey, can you hold this, this piece of rope? And like within two minutes, I, he's got a line of like eight group leaders all holding on to this single strand of rope. And now he like forms this big crowd around us tells us to sit down, or not to sit down, to drop the rope. And, and by the way, this is a story of when somebody discovered my musical talent for the first time, which was just, it, it was awesome, you know, just diamond in a rough there. Um, but he tells us to drop the rope, and he pulls a guitar out of, like, behind this tree or something, and he begins to play a song. He's a street performer, and he's got a crowd of several hundred people within, like, three minutes, and I am part of the singing routine. I'm part of, like, I'm the star in the show. 
And he was doing the Lion King, the Wemo Way song. Like, I'm, I'm not going to sing it now. I don't, there's royalties and all that. And, you know, I perform for money, not for free. Um, but so he gets to this part where he stops the song. He's like, you know, we, we got to make sure that you guys can, like, roar when we get to a part where we're going to roar. And he's going down the line. And uh, I, we actually have some, like, some pictures of this where we're going, he's going down the line and he's having individuals roar. And I'm, like, the last to roar. And he's made fun of everybody before me. And so in my mind, I'm going, I have got to give the greatest roar in all of history or I'm going to be mocked forever by my group and I'm going to have hundreds of people laughing. And so like, it's my turn to roar and I just roar. Like, I mean, it sounded like a lion. The guy literally said, wow. Um, if you look in the photo of me roaring, there was actually a lady taking a picture of my roar. And I just, like, I wonder, I bet that lady to this day still talks about it. I bet you there are people in Old City, Montreal, who tell the story of my roar. I need to go back and do it again to just appease the crowd. Um, but, but anyway, that's not really the point. The point is this guy uh, put on this amazing performance, um, had hundreds of people around. At the end of it, everybody was clapping. Everybody was applauding because he did such a remarkable job of pulling everybody in and entertaining everybody just, just on a whim. And I remember at the end, he said, you know, if anybody wants to give, this is how I make a living. You know, if you could just put some money in, in the guitar case, that would be great. And I remember like opening my, up my wallet and thinking, I, I want to give. It's not even that I feel like I need to give. This guy entertained my group. He entertained this crowd. He turned me into a star. I want to give. And I pulled out like a 20 and dropped it in because I was like, this guy is worth it. And people kept coming up and put money in because they were like, this guy was worth it. Mary has just seen Jesus raise a dead body, a loved one, She's sitting at dinner with a man who had leprosy and does not. And she goes, he's worth it. I want to pour it all out on him. He's worth it all. He gets it all. He's so capable that he gets it all. Man, look, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's got to be a part that says, I'm going to live after I die because of Jesus Christ. He's worth my generosity. He gets my heart. He gets my desires. He's absolutely worth it. She saw firsthand how good Jesus was and she wanted to demonstrate it. And generosity became this incredible way to demonstrate it. It was wildly safe generosity. She felt safe because of how capable he was and so she was wild in her service to him and her generosity. And I absolutely, I absolutely love it. It's amazing to see a heart that recognizes how capable Jesus is of good and say, I want to jump on board with that. But this story, I love this story. I love this story so much because it's not just the story of this wildly safe woman. There's a story of this wickedly safe man as well. It's the story of, of Judas who, who Judas, um, Judas tells a different story. It's a story where it's so easy to disguise what's in our hearts but money tells the real story. It's so, so incredibly easy to disguise what's in our heart, but money tells the real story. Uh, I want to go back. I want to read it again because we tend to miss it when we read through it because we're so amazed with what Mary does. Um, but John writes, he says, but one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. 
He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as a keeper of the money bag, he used it to help himself. What, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Judas saw her worship and felt it was wasteful. Judas saw the beauty of it and just saw a prophet going down the drain. And what amazes me is not the revelation that Judas was a thief. The, the thing that amazes me is, is the window into his heart. That Judas, Judas identifies a real social need, the poor. Let me just real quick comment on that Jesus statement at the end. You always have the poor with you. He's not saying that, that Mary shouldn't care about the poor, that money shouldn't be used for the poor. He's just saying that, that theologically, this is the most important. His burial and his resurrection are the most important events in all of history. If Mary wants to worship God at that time, she's definitely just to do so. Um, it's not saying that we shouldn't care about the poor. The rest of the scriptures say that we should, and that should be the center of what we do at the center of our heart. What amazes me is Judas chooses to use the poor's leverage for his own desires. Judas jumps on board with a social need um, to mask his own, his own heart. He pretended to love the poor in order to make some money. And, and I was thinking about this, and, and the reality is, it's not just Judas. Like, if you read the scriptures and you believe what they say about humanity, Judas just becomes the example, the epitome, the 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 end manifestation of of all that's in our hearts there's a little bit of judas within every single one of us and i could go to countless scriptures um i was originally going to go to jeremiah 17 to to prove this um the heart of man is deceitful and wicked above all things but then the one that just jumped out at me as i was kind of cruising through jeremiah was jeremiah verse 9 uh, chapter 9 verse 8 where god says with their mouths they speak they all speak cordially to their neighbors. Oh, that's kind, right? That's great. They speak cordially to their neighbors. But then the next half of the verse, verse says, but in their hearts, they set traps for them. This is not God talking about a group of wicked people who are far from him. This is God talking about his followers, the nation of Israel, his children. He, he goes, their mouths they speak cordially to their neighbors, but in their hearts they set traps for them. Like, honestly, there's a little bit of that wickedness. There's probably actually a lot of that wickedness in all of our hearts. Well, we sometimes, when we find something, something good in others that matches up for our, own, for our own selfishness, when something good for others matches up with our selfishness, we will jump on that more so than anything else. We will jump on that social need. We will jump on that bandwagon, whatever it is, because it's promoting something that we, we want. We latch onto it way more than we would otherwise. When we have an opportunity to help others and it helps us look good, all of a sudden that's what we're all about. When we have an opportunity to see others get what they deserve, and it means we get what we want, we definitely want them to get what they deserve because we want to get what we want. It's, it's this wickedness in our heart where we promote our own, our own self-righteousness, our own pride, our own desires. And it's not just Judas. There's the ability to look at anything and twist it to be about our own, our own ease and our own promotion in life. I mean, think about it. How many times have you wanted to be right even if it meant somebody else was worse off if you were? How many times did you want to be right 
even if it meant that, so, meant that somebody else was in a worse off position if you were right. And what does that say about us? Judas becomes the model citizen when it means it gets money in his pocket. And what it reveals is not necessarily the goodness of God, but the badness of man. And how there's something within us that's broken and that's bent towards taking good things and making them, making them be used for us selfishly. I was listening to a podcast about this other day, uh, the other day um, by Brant Hansen, who writes a book called The Truth About Us, which is this dive into how wicked that, that we can be. And, and he says this, he says, there are cognitive psychologists that come along and say, we understand now that humans are so capable of fooling themselves about their own moral goodness that it's mind-blowing. But that's, inc- that's an incredible statement to think about, that we are so broken within. The truth about us, the book is based on this idea that what's really the story of what goes on in our hearts, and we see that in Judas, we see the tendency of humanity to look and bend things to their own selfishness, even good things, even great things, to find a way to turn it around. I was talking with a friend of mine about this the other day and about how we often think the devil is really about things like sorcery or witchcraft when in reality the devil is far more involved with things like gossip and slander. It's true. If you read the scriptures, it'll back me up 100% on that. And he, w- he was thinking about that comment, and this is what he said back, and I, I want to quote him on it because I think it's awesome. His name's John Dorman. He's a great guy. Um, and he says this. He said, what's that saying the devil is in the details? He's moving people inches more than miles most times. I know I'm guilty, sometimes without even thinking. And what a statement that we think that Satan wants to move us miles and miles and miles. No, if he can move everybody in the church an inch, he's done a massive destruction. If he can move everybody in the family through gossip and through distrust, he's done a dangerous work. I mean, our hearts are broken and our hearts are wicked. And if the solution to your problems if the solution to your problems is, is a hidden selfish motive, you, it reveals that you've got a bigger problem. If you're trying to manipulate things and, and do things to get your own advantage, it's showing you a deeper problem. Judas had a deeper problem than money. He didn't just have a thief problem. He had a heart problem. And, and so, so what does this all have to do with generosity? Why, is John, why does... John put this where he puts it in the text. Here's why I think it is because I think he puts the goodness of Jesus where Mary is worshiping him and how good he is. I think he puts that alongside the badness of Judas. So I think we've got the goodness of Jesus and the badness of Judas side by side. And and I think what John's going to push forward with this story in the rest of the book of John is Jesus in his goodness will even love us in our badness. That the solution to your badness isn't to hide it. It's not to indulge it. It's to bring it before a good God and confess it and say, this is my brokenness. There's a problem with my heart where I keep wanting things to be to my promotion, even if they're to someone else's detriment. And I think that has to inspire generosity for all of our badness, for all of the things that we thought, all the things that we've done that we wouldn't want anybody else to know, all the hidden secret agendas all the manipulation, all the the gossip that we've done, for all that badness and for the goodness of God to move towards us, not away from us, is incredible. And I think it inspires generosity. I, I think it's awesome. Only love could make God be good to us. 
Only love can make God be good to us. When he looks at our badness and he sees it, he doesn't move away from it, he moves towards it. And I, and I think then it, it really comes down to our generosity and our stuff, the, stu- the money we're gonna earn, the money we have earned, the resources, the things that God has blessed us with. Is it gonna tell, is it gonna tell a story? A story like Judas where we used it for our own selfishness or is it gonna tell a story like Mary where we used it to bless Jesus Christ? What story does your stuff tell? We're gonna have a couple of videos this week to come out and, and just kind of follow up on this and keep the conversation going. But wildly safe generosity to me looks at the goodness of Jesus Christ and says, you're worth it. You're worth it. And my badness could take this and use this for myself in a bad way. Or my worship could say, Jesus, this is this for you. What story is your stuff going to tell? A story of your own wickedness or a story of God's greatness? I think that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Let's choose, let's choose generosity to promote a story of God's goodness. Let's pray. God, you are awesome. And I pray, Lord, that we're people who look at the motives behind why we do what we do. And God, I pray that we are generous people because you are a good God. Lord, there are opportunities where we could try to find good things on our own ways and our own means. And it won't be good. It'll be corrupted and it won't be as satisfying. But generosity will tell a story of how you've been generous to us. We love you in your name we pray, amen.